Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Hello and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast. Christmas traditions are as diverse as the cultures that celebrate them especially this time of year. The Czech Republic is a popular winter destination for many travelers wishing to connect with their familiar roots, their Czech roots, explore the religious history of Central Europe, or take in the beauty and the sights and sounds of the season with a city much like Prague as a backdrop. For expats that have relocated to the Czech Republic, the nuances of their age-old Christmas traditions can seem wonderfully unique and odd at the very same time. Maybe, Travis, this is where we can mention the Czech Christmas carp for dinner, right? Okay, well, maybe we'll wait a little later on the show for that one. The Christmas season begins with the celebration of St. Nicholas Day on December 5th. And you may have heard of this very popular saint by many other names, like Father Christmas, Papa Noel, Santa Claus, Nikolaus. But here in the Czech Republic, he takes the form of a more traditional, like the actual St. Nicholas, or 
Mikulash, as he's known here, that came from, well, they, they, you know, there's a couple guys mixed, but the original was maybe from Byzantium in the, the late, in late antiquity at some point. And he was a bishop that was known for his generous heart and modest persona, helping the poor, that kind of thing. Uh, to see how the Czechs incorporate him into the festive time of year, we, we need to look uh, no further than any of the town squares on the evening of December 5th. That's uh, when we see this unique uniqueness, I guess we could say, Travis, in the form of the company that he keeps. Yeah. Um, the towns and cities turn a little uh, demonic, almost. It's a little scary for kids. <laughs> yeah. Good old St. Nick isn't just accompanied by elves or reindeer here. No, he has representatives of heaven and hell. So basically, if you're wandering the streets, um, you'll see St. Nicholas with angels and demons on either side, kind of wandering around and yelling at people, possibly drunk. Yeah, possibly drunk, and uh, intermixed with that will be the cries of the children that are scared half to death. But part of the deal is, is that St. Nicholas will, will come up to you and, and say, you know, have you been a good boy or a girl? Hopefully you say yes. If, if the answer is anything other than yes, you will not get a, a bonbon or a candy of some sort or a toy uh, from the angel. You'll get a talking to by the devil. Uh, so the devil will then threaten you with his, to put you in his backpack and take you to the gates of hell. So this is pretty much where the kid starts to lose it. <laughs> so, so if you can imagine, I took my son down to uh, Old Town Square in Prague on December 5th this year. And we went down there and he was very excited. He knew what he needed to do because... When he did go up to, to St. Nicholas, he said, have you been a good boy? The answer, of course, he said was yes, because he knew, he knew better. He knows better. He yeah. knows better. And, and then he had to sing a song you know, or oh, recite okay. a poem. So yeah. he had to do something to get something, which is interesting. If we can, uh, I'd like to actually talk to my son about this. We have him here with us tonight, and so I'd like to probably talk to him about that experience. Hi, Natu. Um, just want to introduce this is my son, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, you're very excited to see St. Nicholas, aren't you? Yeah, I'm so excited because the Santa is so cool. What about his other buddies? He's got the angel and the devil there. Are you scared of those guys? Yeah, some angels are looking like weird peoples, and some devils are looking like stupid guys. Now, I hear that the devil can take you to, to a bad place if you've been a bad boy. So what are you going to say if the devil asks you something? I think I'm going to say he's crazy. Have you been a good boy this year? Yeah, I, don't, I think you need to know it. Well, it's not so much me because I'm your daddy. But what if, what if you, we were down here and you told, you told St. Nicholas that you were a good boy? What would, he, what would he give you? What would he ask you to do before he gave you something? gonna say I say to him that's some song what did you see with the everybody down here do you see a lot of kids and the Christmas tree and a lot of other stuff what, what is it like in Prague during Christmas so we was down in old town it was cool and a lot of people saw there and a lot of kids too and a huge Christmas tree what, what did you like most about uh, St. Nicholas Day? I think the best was when we come. And we, we wake up in morning and we, we find St. Nicholas was in, he, he was in home. What, what did you see when you woke up? I see huge cool stuff and some, some food. 
he gives me some cars, and to my sister he brings some some monies. Well, that's that's great. So you had a good Saint Nicholas Day, huh? He was a nice guy to you. Yeah, nice spirit. All right, thanks, buddy. Okay, bye. Okay, so that that was my son Nathaniel, and we always have a good time hanging out together uh, uh, for Christmas and and doing some wonderful things. Uh, He's a he's a great boy, and he takes to this, these Czech traditions. He is actually bilingual in this language, unlike his father. So, <laughs> so, so he does speak English and Czech. I'm learning from him. So we're we're. It probably says a lot for this show. Uh, so you know, getting back, Travis, to the Czech traditions. This leads us. We start off with Saint Nicholas Day on December fifth, and we start the Advent, of course, on the first, and we kind of keep going further and further into the season, and it leads us up to the the Christmas week. For the Czechs, like like a lot of kind of Central Europe, the most important part of Christmas is takes place on Christmas Eve, not necessarily like us for for Christmas Day. So the tree doesn't get dressed until then. Not like in the states where you might do it the day after Thanksgiving or or you know, nowadays after after Halloween. Yeah, something <laughs> so, like that. So right. it, the the tree is naked if it's even there at all until the evening of the twenty third, and then um, the, it gets. Uh, decorated usually in secret baby Jesus did it basically and then the presents are snuck underneath again from baby Jesus not Santa again that's kind of changing because you know we're getting marketing from overseas and and you know if you look at a coca-cola commercial it's Santa Claus there's no baby Jesus there so that you know that kind of thing is kind of changing so St. Nicholas Day is merging with Christmas kind of like he has a long time ago I don't in, think in I, States, I, I, but, I'm saying anything that's, that is, is close to blasphemy here, but I, I am amazed at the strength of baby Jesus. Uh, oh, these yeah. trees are huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it is interesting because it, it is done in secret, and you get the trees and you hide them on the porch, you hide them at a friend's house. And as you said, Travis, you, get the, you don't do anything with them until you get close to Christmas Eve. The 23rd, you can start getting the thing unwrapped a little bit. Uh, on the 24th, leading into Christmas Eve itself, you can start decorating it secretly. Uh, so it's so, supposed to be a surprise for exactly. the kids. You're supposed to walk into the room and see a fully decorated tree. With you, hear, you hear the bell of an angel, and then yep. it tells them, usually after dinner, that the, that the, it's ready to go look for mm-hmm. this tree. So there's a lot of anticipation there that we usually get in the States, in most places, in the morning. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, time, yeah. You, you know, wake up and they've done it. Yeah, right. so, we, so we actually get our presents. I know from growing up that so like Americans would get it on the 25th right. in the morning. And so that's how my parents did it. But all my friends were getting their presents on the evening of the 24th. So my parents, like, made a compromise. They say, okay, so you can open one present on the 24th, but the main one, or, or you know, if there's more than, than one or two, like, all the rest, like, you can open a little one on the 24th, and all the rest, you know, 25th. Well, so I always kind of, I always had a foot in both worlds. Like, I celebrated St. Nicholas Day, but in a, like, but the German way, not the Czech way. So, you know, Travis, you know, for centuries... There's a tradition that goes along with this this setup that we've incorporated with the religious aspect, and that is more of, of the dietary concerns for for uh, Christmas Eve, and that deals with something we alluded to in the beginning of the podcast called Christmas carp. Yeah, because Christmas Day here is very Catholic, so Christmas Eve is actually a, a fasting day, so you don't eat meat, and I think that's different to us because, well, maybe we have a Christmas dinner on Christmas Day, but we feast, you know, we have duck, everything, turkey, whatever whatever you, we have. But here, the, the carp plays an important role. And this is a kind of interesting tradition because the carp is not endemic to this part of the world. It originally came from China. And somewhere around the, the, like the 13th century, it slowly made its way towards Eastern Europe and eventually Central Europe. And the aristocracy 
would kind of keep these carps in their in ponds and peasants and average folk had, you know, just like your average soup or gruel, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and that's right, Travis. This, the soup or gruel is something that even uh, Amer our American forefathers actually would do. And what they would do is to, to make things affordable and allow you enough time to work in the fields, they would have a giant kettle over the hearth and they would just throw something in. And yeah. they would just let it simmer for days. So you would have vegetables and whatnot kind of form more of a paste at the bottom of the yeah, it sounds delicious, doesn't it? And the bottom of the of the of the kettle, but it would stay good. So you basically have some kind of porridge or soup like, you know, broth with vegetables and potatoes and you kind of just add on to it as the days progressed. And hopefully by day four or five you can wrap that up and start brand new again. But meat was very rare. Mm -hmm. You know, for especially the peasantry. So you had to be kind of the, the upper echelon to have any kind of meat. So bringing Czech carp into, or having carp into the picture here uh, allowed people to have a feast fit for a king. Let's say the high middle ages or early, early modern age where there was just thousands of fish ponds throughout Czech Republic. Uh, like literally thousands, you know, and there weren't that many people then. So, I mean, this was, this was a huge kind of source of protein. So it, it was a big deal. The tradition uh, lingers because of that. Um, but, but going back, before carp kind of took over, except for maybe if you had money, you know, Christmas would just be made special somehow by adding something sweet or maybe seasoning their soup a little better that day, um, you know, adding some, some dried fruit and honey, that kind of thing. The idea of what we see today in the 2000s is more of a fried fish experience uh, where you have several courses, I mean, believe it's nine courses, and they include German potato salad. You would have some sweets afterwards. But yeah. But the, the carp was the center focus uh, maybe after the soup, I think. Uh, so you have, you have the carp, and the, the carp is fried. So, I mean, you can walk around Prague on Christmas Eve and have it's the entire town to yourself. Surreal. It is It is completely quiet, and wafting through the air is the smell of fried fish. Yeah. Now, if that doesn't... Well, and for weeks <laughs> That makes you sick. This, I wouldn't be walking around. <laughs> yeah, or for maybe a week before this, on every street corner, there's a big, huge, like, rain barrel full of, fit, like, live, live carp fish, yeah. swimming around. Um, you you kind of, you walk up to one of these, you know, like thousands of vendors, you walk up to one of them and say, I want that one. The one with the crazy eye. The one right? with the crazy <laughs> eye. And uh, he'll either clean it for you right there, but often, this is tradition that they bring it home live and let it kind of swim around in the bathtub. And everybody has the anecdotes about this, you know. And then another weird thing is that on December 26th, thousands or hundreds of thousands of these fish die in the Vltava River because it's almost like the goose pardoning that we that the president does on Thanksgiving they feel bad for this fish that uh, you know we're all, they're, they're all city folks so they don't know how to how to clean a fish so they feel bad for this fish that they don't really want to kill and eat so they go let them go in the Vltava which is now almost freezing and these pond fish can't survive so hundreds of thousands of fish are, you know, let go and promptly die in the Voltaro River. I, I, I like the air quotes you gave, and this is an audio medium, so yeah. I, so you didn't but see the air quotes. I'm let the whole go. Thing is just so <laughs> surreal to me. It I is mean, the, like the numbers are staggering. So it is still a huge industry here. Like I mean, just in Czech Republic in 2002, to give you some numbers, the Czech Republic alone exported some 16.6 thousand tons of carp throughout the continent. This is a landlocked country exporting fish. You know, it's just it's it's insane.
You know, I when when you're when you're eating the fish, by the way, you have a little dish for the bones. Uh, for our American listeners, this reminds me a lot of the catfish fries we used to have in Illinois, Missouri, because it is oh, that bottom dwelling fish, very very bony. You got to be careful not to have one lodged in your in your in your throat, and uh, you're constantly picking through it. So it is a little bit of work towards it, and you got to be careful with the kids eating it at the time. You got to debone it for them if you can. Yeah, it is an experience that uh, you have to take part in if you're going to live here or marry into a Czech family. Speak for yourself. <laughs> But well, you married a Costa Rican, I, so this is a different different story I, yeah, altogether. I, I, I love fish, but carp is particularly tasteless. But in his defense, I have to say before I make all the Czech listeners mad, if, in case we have any, um, if it's done right, it can be really good. Right, and, and, but, it's, and it's it's the fellowship. I mean, it's really the fellowship around the around the table. It's a tradition. It's a cultural yeah. thing. You can never argue that. So right. You know, and this leads us to to. You know, we're two expats, American expats that are, that are living here. You know, we're, we're taking it from what we see from our years of, of taking it all in as almost a third third party. But let's hear from some folks that grew up here in, in this region of Central Europe and, and their traditions, because I think that would be really, uh, really needed to get their viewpoint of, of what it was like to grow up in the Czech Republic during Christmas. All right, so I'm joined here by some folks that are natives of the Czech Republic, and we want to make sure that we can get a full measure of what it's like to live here during the Christmas season. So I guess my first question is, taking back some of your childhood memories, what were some of the things that really stick in your head about this season? Hi Pete, I'm, I'm Jan and I'm from Radeskralova, which is a city like 60 miles east of Prague. And it's a kind of poor area. And before the revolution, it was really difficult to get things like fish or ham or even butter for cookies. So that's what was what I remember. When you talk about St. Nicholas Day, there, there's an issue of bringing fruits or nuts into the house on uh, December 5th, uh, the evening of December 5th going into the 6th. Your viewpoint on St. Nicholas Day, between the, the angel, St. Nicholas, and the devil, what was maybe one of your childhood memories of, of seeing this, this triad out, out asking questions about if you've been a good girl or not? Hi, Pete. So I'm Rodolfa. I'm actually from Spiskanovac, which is eastern part of Slovakia. For me, it was special, I would say. Um, I would, uh, my parents would have a neighbor dress up with his kids, and he would come, and he would be the Saint Nicholas and the angel and the devil. I was all the time worried because there was a question whether I have been good. In that case, you know, I would get chocolates, which I really loved, or if I were bad, I would get like a rotten potatoes or coal. Actually, it never happened, but it was magical. Even my uh, mother was teacher, so they would organize us and they would uh, go to her school and we would sing carols. What was Christmas Eve like? Christmas Eve was really, really special. Uh, in my family, we have a lot of traditions. So you would wake up and you would have really, really tiny breakfast. And the day you would not eat at all, waiting for the evening. You know, if you see the uh, golden pig, as they say. And, um, you know, in our country, uh, the presents are not uh, brought by Santa Claus, but by Jesus. Uh, so what happened, it was special that even the Christmas tree, my parents usually decorated uh, from the night from 23rd to 24th of uh, December, and they would do it in the night. So when we woke up as children, we would see the Christmas tree, and uh, the whole dinner would start uh, uh, by all of us, you know, sitting together. We usually play some carols, um, then we would, you know, pray. 
uh, we had a tradition that all of us had to sit by the table, nobody could leave, only the man of the family, and he was serving. And uh, each of the corners there would be uh, coins um, to represent uh, the money, and hopefully, like the more prosperous also next year. Uh, we would all eat uh, um, waffles with uh, garlic and honey. Then we would usually have a soup, a cabbage soup, uh, traditional, without the bacon, uh, because it was sort of like mm, you shouldn't eat meat on the Christmas Eve. And then we would have the main course, usually uh, consisting of a fish and potatoes, and then all sorts of the traditions, so a peas and a dumpling with a poppy seed. You know, we would cross over uh, apples, and you know, if there was a start, they should bring uh, luck to your family, or if there was a cross, you should expect something not good. Uh, then uh, you would throw actually uh, nuts to each corner of the household. And uh, after the dinner, somebody ran out. I don't know how they did it. And outside, you would hear a ring. And they sort of said that the Jesus came. And you would go and go to the other room and, you know, unpack the presents. Did you, did you ever keep, did you or your family ever keep the carp in the bathtub? No, never. never. <laughs> I've never found a check that did that, actually. I suddenly, did, did you? Okay. So, so, you, so the family would go off uh, and, and get the carp and put it in the bathtub. Yeah, it was actually not by us, but my uh, grandfather, he would do that. And he would have it swimming, and, you know, eventually <laughs> it ended up on the table, poor thing, but, yeah. Guys, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Thank you as well. All right, great. You know, it, it's you know it's wonderful that we don't do this all the time on our show, on the podcast, about having uh, guests come in and, and talk with them, or we go out and do a man-on-the-street interview. Uh, we'll probably be doing more of that as, as, the, uh, um, as this podcast evolves, because I think it really adds something to it. But I, 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 uh, we really appreciate our, our folks coming in here and, and, and talking about their experiences. One of the things that I really enjoy by taking in December 24th here in the Czech Republic is not just the anticipation of the trees and the presents, but also of the prep time that goes into this. There's a lot of prep work that at, at times as a foreigner, you look at it saying, well, this sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> I, I got to wait to eat. I got I to gotta fast before we're eating as I'm smelling all this great food in the kitchen. Or, you know, there's no Christmas tree in, in, in the living room. You're like, what, what, what's, is this really Christmas? You feel kind of let down a little bit. But you just got to be patient. Yeah, I basically eat all day. I start, I start <laughs> Christmas Eve with bacon and I end with bacon. Well, you know, it's, you Christmas Eve to me is a bacon sandwich. It's, it's, okay. it's a bacon sandwich. That sounds actually delicious. For, for the Czechs, you will see, you'll see something called the golden pig. The golden pig is something that you'll see, and it's part of the preparation and fasting aspect of things. Yep, that means no eating for the entire day leading up to supper that night. So if you do it right, you will see the quote-unquote golden pig, supposedly from hallucinating from hunger pangs. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like a great holiday to me. Yeah, meet. my kids are crying around 4 or 5 o'clock. Yeah. They're like, can I have seen the pig? I've seen the pig. I've seen right. the pig. I don't think you've seen the pig. I mean, that's usually what it is. So it's a lot of, <laughs> it's tough, man. It is a tough situation. So, um, uh, but we get to the point, you get to the the, um, the the dinner itself, and we'll talk about those superstitions and traditions that come with the dinner in a few moments. But it's it's the ringing of the bell. The angel has announced that baby Jesus has brought the presents, he's brought the tree, and it's time for the kids to go crazy, right? Now, on in our family, we don't have names attached to the presents because they came from baby Jesus. So it's a free-for-all. You have just the name of who the president will go to because they're from baby Jesus. Oh, so okay. that's how it works. So there, that, that's a different sort of 
uh, a disconnect that we, uh, as Americans, say, hey, you know, I, I want you to know that I got you this sweater. This came from me. All right. That necessarily doesn't happen unless you're an adult and you give a kind of a wink, wink to to someone yeah. saying, "I hope you I hope it fits." I'm just, I'm just, right? I'm just starting to realize how bastardized my uh, celebrations really are because because <laughs> my parents were like Church of God Seventh Day that didn't celebrate Christmas at all to moving to a Catholic country where like they had to because me and my brother would be crying at school. I'm just starting to realize that I don't think I follow any anybody's traditions. It's like it's unique. I, I think. And now I think I'm kind of. A, a you know, my wife puts the kibosh on some of my. <laughs> My bastardization, so it's more like a Costa Rican Catholic. It almost uh, reminds me of that Seinfeld episode with Festivus, you know, yeah, it's, it's, if you're familiar with that. It's turning into that. It's turning into that. <laughs> you, you mean you didn't dance around the Festivus pole? No? It's like, what do you mean we're not going to put out our dog's boots on Santa Claus Day? Where do you come from? Yeah. What kind of Philistine are you? This is the best part my, about... My wife just like rolls her eyes. <laughs> this is the best part about moving to a different culture. And, and trying to get an idea of, of how to acclimate. And uh, the longer you hear it, it becomes less of a third-party issue. You be, now become invested in how to, how to make it work with your family or friends while the time that you're living here in Bohemia. The Christmas presents are, are given after dinner, of course, as we mentioned that. And everyone around the table may sing Christmas carols before moving into the Christmas tree area. Uh, it's all lit up and beautiful and staged for a beautiful sort of first look. The presents have been placed all under the tree. Czech children believe that the... Christmas gifts are brought, of course, by baby Jesus, who comes in through the room through an open window and then leaves the presents. So uh, there's a little connection we have a little bit in the States with the Santa Claus idea. It's just the timing's a little bit different. And we still have that sort of, you know, uh, feeling of, of anticipation and surprise, and it's all there. So that's not the end of it. That's you, really You send them letters, right? You send yeah, baby Jesus letters like you would My kids will write to baby Jesus. Yeah, uh, and so, um, so and he's literate. He's literate, and at wow. this point, and the, then you put the letter on the patio or outside, and an angel will pick it up. I think it's called littering because so, it probably just blows away. Now I asked my son. I said, I said, so let's, let me transcribe <laughs> your, your your letter, and I'll put it in English this year. And he said, okay. So we did it, and the first thing is like, hello, my name is Nathaniel, and I want these Legos. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think you're going for it too fast. Right? Once you say that you're a good boy first, and we'll go, we'll go that direction. You need to sell it. You got to sell it. <laughs> yeah. All right. You just can't ask right out the gate. So he says, I think I've been a good boy. All right. Okay. Well, that's good enough. Let's just move on. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the letters that you get there. Now, this is only the beginning, Travis. The night goes on and on and on and on. And you got to be ready to party because this is when they do it. It's not like people go to sleep. You just get started. You do the presents, and then you go to mass. If you still got something left midnight in midnight mass, midnight mass, yeah. man, and and you try, you try to, you go through the, through that, and it's absolutely beautiful. The music is beautiful, the the lighting, the candlelights, uh, and and these these ancient houses of worship. Uh, it's just in a beautiful scene that you just don't see in a lot of places, um, especially in, in the United States, and uh, it really adds to the whole meaning uh, of of the holiday. So you get back from there, and then you start the party. A couple of the customs is that no lights should be lit in the house before the first star comes out. After it does, dinner is served, okay? So the table should be set for an even number of guests. An odd number brings bad luck or death. That's superstitious. We'll, we'll, this right. might be from the Middle Ages, to be we'll, honest We'll call with it you. how it is. Yeah. Um, an extra plate can be used to even out the number of guests. See, I've heard that, like, that's for the baby Jesus. That's that's how I've I was that told. Too. Yeah. I've heard that, too. So an extra plate should also be prepared just in case there's an unexpected guest. You know, because it's Christmas Eve, you want to be hospitable. If someone's in need, you, you prepare that extra place for them. No one should sit with their back to the door. Uh, and Christmas dinner should consist of nine courses. This is what you're talking about, like soup, bread with honey, carp, potato salad, fruit. It could be dried, fresh, canned, whatever. Dessert, 
like uh, apple strudel or vanochka, like which is like Christmas bread and other foods. Kind of a sweeter bread. Yeah. No alcohol. Okay. So now, now, count me out. Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. I'm Maybe not going no to the for Christmas. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe no alcohol before mass, but when we're we're, we're kicking it when we get back, there's. There's Bekarovka, there's Slavovitsa, okay, there's not, beers, beers, beers. Now you're speaking my language. Okay. <laughs> it's all over the place. You had me worried there. Right. You, you, but you just can't go to church drunk. I mean, come on, Travis. <laughs> well, I don't know where you're from. I know where you're from. but We, we call that Tuesday. <laughs> um, no one should ever get up from the Christmas table before dinner is finished. And uh, you, you heard that on the interview that um, Rutka said, like, only the men that were serving could get up, so all the ladies have to stay seated, right? So doing so would, being, would bring bad luck, maybe even a death in the family. Like it's, that would it's, be bad. It's bad juju. Um, all household animals should be fed after dinner so that no one goes hungry on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's cats, always... fish, yeah. hamsters, dogs. Okay, and then here's the one that I know from, I know this from, from New Year's Eve. And we didn't use lead, we'd use wax. But you'd take a, a piece of molten lead and you dump the molten lead into a container of water. And then you, sh you make out some kind of shape, right? And then you look up that shape in a book, and that will tell you your fortune for the next year. So that's, that's totally like divination. Yeah. There's another one where, um, oh, this was, Rutka mentioned it in the interview also. So they would cut an apple in half, so you see the core. And then, like she said, if it's a star, it's good luck for the next year. And if it's, it's a, a cross, cross that's, it's, bad news. that's bad news. Yeah. Yeah, and then also, you know, you're eating this really bony fish. So you take those fish scales, and they should be placed under the Christmas dinner plates or under, under the tablecloth to bring wealth to the house, right? So also carrying a fish scale, like these carp have pretty big scales. Yeah. So it's like a little coin. It looks like a little coin, which is where this comes from. So carrying a fish scale in your wallet all year will ensure that money will not run out. No, I, have, I, I have wonder how many people have fish scales in their wallets would, right maybe now. Maybe we should ask them. Just go I'm gonna, That's a man on the street. You have a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Travis, we, we talked a little bit about the food aspect of this. It's, it's very unique. We talked, of course, about Christmas carp. But the Venushka, uh, which is Christmas bread, is a sweet sort of bread that's got nuts and uh, raisins in it as well. And it's uh, supposed to be good luck. Now, a lot of this stuff does come from traditions from the Middle Ages. So um, feeding a piece of this Christmas bread to the cows on Christmas Eve will ensure that they will have lots of milk this year. Now, of course, in the Middle Ages, uh, people were very agriculturally based. So a lot of these traditions are based on farm living and how to kind of keep your farm going, your animal husbandry going correctly, I guess, is how you should look yeah. at it. Putting a few of these uh, Christmas bread crumbs in front of the beehive will also make their bees produce uh, enough honey for the very following next year. So garlic is, is really pivotal here in Central Europe, shall we say. If you're standing on the metro, you know that to be true. Very true. Um, which is fine because I love garlic. I, I feel right at home. It, well, it's an essential part of Christmas. So it's, it's believed that it kind of provides strength and protection. So a bowl of garlic can be placed under the dinner table. It's just, it's good luck. I can't do that because my dog would eat it. <laughs> but um, and, hun and honey is, al is also believed to guard against evil. I mean, you'll have a lot of honey at the table or in, uh, in anybody's pantry here in Czech Republic. A pot of honey can be placed on the dinner table as well. We take a look as we're wrapping up the, the, the Christmas Eve era, the, the Christmas Eve time, uh, going into the 25th and 26th. They know this here as the first 
and second Christmas holidays. This is also known as the Christmas Feast Day and this and the, the Feast of St. Stephen Day, uh, or Stefan, as they would say here. So on uh, St. Stefan's Day, children, students, teachers, and the poor used to go around singing uh, Christmas carols and visiting uh, people's homes to continue that Christmas celebration. Usually everyone is wrecked tired from staying up all night long on Christmas Eve. So this is kind of a good thing to kind of expand uh, after you've taken a little nap and, and kind of continue the Christmas celebration well into the morning hours. But, you know, nowadays people aren't really going doing the Christmas carols. Or it's just an excuse to kind of relax at home a little bit and maybe continue drinking. They're done. They're done. You know, wrapping up the episode tonight, I, I think that uh, I really have enjoyed it. There's some things I miss about maybe the, my American traditions uh, being over here in Europe, but I'm starting new traditions here, with especially my family and myself, and just trying to trying to find my way here and uh, really take out take take in the uh, experience of being in the Czech Republic, especially in Prague, the city of Prague. It is an absolutely beautiful country. It's a beautiful city of Prague, especially with the backdrop of Christmas. I, I can't really compare it to anything really I've seen back home in the States. You know, within like two or three blocks from my house, every square has that Christmas market. It's it's a nice atmosphere. Yep. It, it really is. We want to thank you for listening to tonight's Bohemian Podcast. Remember, you can visit the History Podcasters Network. By the way, we are a member of that network, which we're very honored to be part of, at historypodcasters, all one word, dot com. For more information on this program, you can visit that website. Travis's History of Alchemy podcast uh, is also a member of this network, and we join a collaborative shows uh, focusing on a cornucopia of history topics, so I think you would be very interested in seeing what they have to offer there. It's good stuff there. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We want to wish you all a happy holiday and a prosperous new year from the Bohemian Podcast. Yep, thank you very much. You have been listening to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com, or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening.